Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Uh, I'm really excited about the word we're going to talk about this month, uh, but we're going to introduce ourselves first for those of you who are joining us for the first time. My name is Leslie Bolser, and I am the Curriculum Director at Core Essential Values. We are a curriculum resource and resource company that works with primarily schools, pre-K through high schools, but also communities, organizations, and families um, to help everybody just rally around a word per month uh, that really helps kids know how to treat others right and make smart decisions and maximize their potential. I'm here with my friend, Dr. Beth Trammell. Beth, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, um, I'm Dr. Beth Trammell. I'm a licensed psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at Indiana University East, where I am the director of the Master's in Mental Health Counseling Program, and I focus on making words matter for good. And so I do a lot of training and consultation with schools, teachers, people on, yeah, how to be intentional about the words we use and realizing that when we're intentional with our words, we can make words matter for good. So I love words. You love words. That's how we got connected. And that's why we continue to have fun on the podcast each month. That's right. That's exactly right. So um, this month we have a word that we're going to talk about, and we're only doing one version this month for all ages, because I really think this is going to be our little mini therapy session between you and me, Dr. Oh, Beth. I'm ready. We're going to talk about how as adults, we can live out this value because I really think this is one where if we cannot find it for ourselves, we can't expect it in our kids. So let's Absolutely. get right to it. Yep. This month we're talking about joy. Um, and the way we're talking about joy this month is finding a way to be happy even when things don't go your way. And that is a tough one for sure. So let's just talk generally about joy. First of all, how is it different than happiness? How is it the same? Where does it come from? Let's just talk about joy. Yeah. So when I talk about joy with folks, we kind of forget that joy is actually kind of a vulnerable emotion because joy sort of requires us to say, like, I am kind of choosing this state of feeling good, you know, whether it's happiness or excitement or, you know, contentment, whatever the word is that you would put on that feeling you're, you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to experience it and say, here I am, I'm choosing to be joyful, even, if, even amidst hard things or even amidst chaos or whatever it is. And it's interesting that we tend to associate um, joy with the holidays. This season for me is always the busiest and the, what feels like kind of the craziest in terms of my schedule. And so I can't always... Um, automatically see joy when I am so focused on the to-do list. I was thinking about this today that it's like, it's almost ironic for me that we are talking about choosing to be happy or choosing this, this feeling of joy. I'm, I'm choosing it. I'm the state of, of wanting to be, to feel good even when things don't go my way, because you know, like if I had my way, I'd be able to just like sit by my fire and, have like a warm, cozy drink every night. I think this idea of when things don't go my way, we experience this a lot as parents because we have to do the pickup line or we have to do the carpool or we have to do the homework with our little one or whatever it might be. And it's like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So all of that, like, that's what I've kind of been thinking about. I kind of just didn't really answer your question. And I just said a whole bunch of other things about joy. 
No, I, I think it's great. It's it's fully on point because, you know, I think we see, you know, embroidered pillows or things that go on your wall that say choose joy, right? Yeah. And it makes it sound so easy mm. or do what makes you happy, do what makes you feel good. Um, but like you just mentioned, there are so many things in our lives that we have to do mm-hmm. to keep ourselves, you know, functioning and to keep our families functioning. Now we probably do more things than what we have to do. Yeah. And we say that we have to do them, but that's not accurate. But there are things we have to do that don't, I, I, folding the laundry does not bring me joy. No. But I have to do it because if I don't, we'll have a whole house full of dirty clothes and we will be smelly people and we won't have, you know, it'll lead to lots of other things that I will leave in disarray because I also don't feel like doing those things. I don't feel like usually going to the grocery. I don't feel like doing a lot of those things, but I do them anyway, even though they don't bring me joy because I have to. So can I only be joyful when I'm sitting on a beach or sitting by the fire or taking time to myself? How can I, as an adult, know that there are still responsibilities, there are still things I have to do, and find places in my life where I can be joyful? I I think it's such a great question. And I think it's reconceptualizing our idea of what joy is, you know? And, And I think it's fair to see joy as that relaxing time on the beach. I think that is joy. And that might be joy for some people. And it it actually may not be joy for some other folks that are listening. They're like, oh no, that is my like sixth (laughs) layer of anyway. So, you know, I think all of us have to decide how many different ways can we see and label joy? Because it doesn't just have to be this big elaborate thing that then I feel joyful. Right. is it something that we can do the thing before the feeling comes? Because if we're just kind of like waiting around for joy to come amidst the laundry and the dishes and the arguments around eating their food at dinner time, like joy is probably not just gonna like come as a feeling then. Yeah, yeah. You may have to say, you know what? this is a hard season or today or this moment is kind of hard. And can I find the gratitude? Can I find the space to say, you know what though? It is kind of fun to be all together here. Like, can I shift my perspective that might then push me into joy? Yeah, and I think I'm not saying that as if that's easy because I yeah. live my life in the evenings with four kids and crazy schedules. And I frequently am like, I don't really want to do this. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And when I think about as you were answering that, I was thinking about the times when I am able to find joy in the mundane or in the in the responsibilities, I'll say, for example, I don't like doing laundry but I love going to bed on clean sheets. Mm. So when I'm doing laundry, I can remember how much I love that and how that does bring me joy. Or, you know, putting on a pair of warm socks out of the dryer in the winter Mm. is a great thing. So I can find that gratitude that you were mentioning or that joy in those moments. I do not want to go get in my cold car in the winter, but I have a daughter who's going to turn 16 in a few months, and this is my last stretch of driving her everywhere she goes. So I'm excited for the cold car for a little bit because next next winter, 
I won't be in that cold car with her. She'll be driving herself and her friends in that cold car, right? So I think you're right. It is a perspective change rooted in gratitude, finding things to be grateful for that makes it worth it to go to the grocery or get in the cold car or fold the laundry or whatever your trigger is. <laughs> Those are mine, <laughs> yeah. but whatever your trigger is, um, I think you're right. The perspective change and the, and the coming from a position of gratitude. And I think it's not allowing that initial, I don't feel like doing this narrative to continue. Yeah. Because, you know, if I go down, you know, starting the thought of like, oh, I don't want to be having to drive from one place to the next to the next. Like, I don't want to have to do that. It's very quickly moving me way out of like staying grounded in gratitude when I start that narrative and I don't replace that narrative with a grateful thought or even a, a like slightly more positive thought. You know, right. if I stay in like self-pity, I'm never going to make it to joy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe not fully to joy, but a step out of self-pity is a, a good action step for somebody, depending on where you are right now, what the season is like for you. That's a great point. For me, it's like, I recognize these thoughts aren't helpful. You know, there's a listener out there that's like, I know it's not helpful. I just can't stop myself from thinking it or feeling it. Me either. And that's okay. It is a kind of repetitive, continuous challenge yeah. to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to choose another thought. And I know until I get back home in my warm socks, yeah. I'm still going to maybe fight this thought and I can continue to battle against that negative narrative and, and try to keep choosing um, yeah. a more positive thought. You know, I think there's been um, a lot of awareness brought to the way our breathing, our breathing patterns and yeah. our bringing oxygen into our body. There's been um, a lot of recognition of how important that is recently. And I know particularly in schools. And so um, it's almost to the point where talking about it gets an eye roll now, like kids are like, oh, belly breathing or oh, square breathing or what, you know what I mean? Like they've, they've heard about it so much that it's almost an eye roll, but it is so true. It is so true that as a kid or as an adult, when you find yourself in that repetitive pattern to slow your breathing, to change your breathing and to pause before you are able to change that thought pattern or to find gratitude or take one step out of self-pity or whatever it is, changing the way you breathe in order to bring more oxygen into your body really does work. We've been talking about it and, you know, therapy for forever. And so yeah. we're like, as a profession, I'm just going to speak for the whole profession. We're yeah. just so happy that like, it's starting to become more mainstream because it like physiologically changes your body. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we need to get your body to change so that we can implement some new, even cognitive strategies, right? Like changing your, your thought process or, or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. I I am I agree. I'm glad that it is becoming more mainstream. But when you say it to a kid right now, they a lot of them will give you an eye roll because they hear it so much. Yeah. But I hope that they hear it so much that it becomes something that's normal and natural to them. Um so for parents to be able to say, you know, let's let's all do a breath together. Let's just slow down our breathing and think about this before we continue the conversation. Um, I think could be a really helpful tool for parents. Maybe one month we'll, we'll spend some time think, talking about different breathing techniques. Yeah. Um, so we're, before we wrap up, I do want to ask you, depending on the age level of your child, there are probably different ways to talk about joy or to show joy. What do you have advice wise for people who like you have kids all the way across the spectrum of ages and who are, who are thinking about or, or approaching joy differently this time of year? 
so there's kind of two, two sides to this for me. Uh, so our young kids and, and young meaning maybe 10 or 11 and, and younger, and, you know, you may have a 12 year old that you're like, no, that still fits, (laughs) that still fits my kid. But, you know, our younger kids experience joy very naturally. Hmm. It's just that usually their version of joy doesn't necessarily match our version of joy. And Hmm. so I have, um, a six and well, yeah, six and eight, and they're almost seven and nine. So, um, you know, I got two little ones and I got two teenagers. And so the two little ones find joy in chasing one another around the house, loudly screaming, um, you know, what seems to me like an octave beyond that, which normal ears ears should ever encounter. Yeah. Yeah, That's how it feels to me now. So their version of joy is naturally like just laughing and playing. And, you know, for them, it's being rambunctious for some other kids, it's being messy and, you know, uh, a little bit wacky or, or giving silly corny jokes. I don't know. For me, what I have continued to have to fight for in those moments is to allow their joy to shift in me away mm-hmm. from they are so annoyingly loud (laughs) to what fun is this, you know, like, and, and trust me, folks, Leslie, just trust me. Like my initial reaction is that is as annoying as it could be Mm -hmm. for real. And so it is, it's okay that we have our own like kind of natural reactions what I have to do and what I encourage other people to do is to pause, right? Don't let your kids see the initial reaction that's frankly negative to their experiencing joy. Mm, yeah. Maybe we allow their joy to be contagious for us. You know, sometimes I'll listen to their laugh and even though it's loud and, you know, I'm like, I would really like peace and quiet right now. I love that they're laughing. Yeah. Like I'll say that to myself or I'll say it out loud or I'll kind of like laugh to myself. Or sometimes I get my camera out and I'll like take a video of them laughing. <laughs> Just anything that like shifts my narrative from why why are they so loud and annoying to this is what joy is. Yeah. That's great. So what about on the older side though? What about like with your teenagers and and how do they experience joy and how do you see that work out with older kids? The interesting thing is that once our kids become teenagers and, and you'll know this as a parent because they're too cool, right? They've like suddenly become too cool to do the silly laughing kind of joy. And what that says to us is that they are moving more into how we adults kind of sometimes struggle with joy. And so with older kids, their form of joy may be in sharing things that matter to them. It may yeah. be in doing a TikTok challenge. It may be in connecting with friends. And so when we are trying to help our teenagers, for me, it's two things. One, it is trying to find the balance of giving them independence to do things that are joyful. Even if you're sort of like, what? You're going to play video games for how long with who and why? Like that doesn't sound like fun to me at all. Balancing that with also like teaching them through modeling 
what is joy supposed to look like? Yeah. So what do you as a parent, how does your body change? What outward expression do you have of joy? And then how are you talking about joy to your teenagers? Because I think as they get older and maybe not as great at doing joy, like we are as adults, right? How are we teaching them modeling? How are we talking about it? So I still think our teenagers, this is going to be a sidebar a little bit, but we need to like hug our teenagers more. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I think we need, they still need, our little kids always come up and they give us a hug and they, they're always near us. And then Mm -hmm. as our teenagers get older, they still need more hugs. And so I will like force my teenagers into a hug um, and talk about how I'm, I'm so grateful that they're here and I'm, I'm so lucky to be their mom. And I say like kind of corny things to them yeah, to, to try to get them to see um, that joy for me is that they're here and they're present and they're, you know, a part of the family. I don't know. What do you do for joy? How do you do it? My girls are older and they like to tease me for the things that I think are funny or the things that I enjoy. And I love it. It doesn't bother me at all that they give me a hard time for the things I like to lean into it. So they tease me about the way that I text with them and the, the like the ways that I express myself for punctuate or don't punctuate and the, you know, gifts and emojis that I send and all of that. And so instead of letting that embarrass me and back off, I just go full steam into it. Um, so that we can have something to giggle about together. You know what I mean? So um, I'm in on the joke and and it's it's just fun and silly. Um, one of my daughters is in college, so we're looking for ways like that right now to keep our family connected. So sometimes it's through technology and things like that. But um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm um, I can be I can lean towards stick in the mud in terms of my personality. I'm just gonna say that. You're just gonna um, say it. I'm just going to say it. So, and I know that about myself and I know that I am a pretty steady ship, right? (laughs) Like I, I move forward pretty steadily. So things that, things that make a lot of waves tend to not be that interesting to me, but my family's not like that. And so I have to get really excited about the spontaneous dance parties or the egg throwing contest in the kitchen or the whatever. Um, because if not, it will really separate me from my family, um, you know, a way that I don't want to happen. So I have to sort of set aside some things about myself to be able to have fun, um, in settings that normally wouldn't seem fun to me. But if I'm honest, when I put myself in those settings, it's always fun. Yeah. I think that's at the end of the day with our teens, especially is how can you think about having tiny moments of fun? Yeah. With your teen, because fun is the outward expression of joy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the the mini dance party or the music that's too loud upstairs while they're getting ready together or whatever it is, instead of that being an eye roll for me, yep. I need to put myself right in the middle and participate just like right. them um, right. to continue the relationship and to honestly have fun myself, right? Like yeah. it is crazy. So yes, yes. Yeah. So tomorrow, when your boys are chasing each other around the house, screaming and yelling, I expect you, your husband's going to take a video of you chasing along right behind him. That's right. Express joy. That's right. 
That's that's what's going to happen later today, actually. Later today. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm going to take a nap in preparation. Yeah, <laughs> just to be somebody. Man, would they be thrown off if you just started chasing them around too? <laughs> so, um, so I think that's a lot for us to think about this month. You're right. It is crazy busy. We have added things around the holidays, but for those of us with older kids like you and I have, their stuff doesn't stop. We don't get breaks. They just keep going right through the break. And so we just have to layer it all on top of each other. So um, finding joy in those moments and just being excited about the things that they're excited about, even mm -hmm. when they drive around town a long time, um, is going to be really important to remember, I think, this month. So I appreciate the conversation. I hope it's helpful for other people um, because we all need joy. For real. For real. All right. Well, we'll be back next month. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about us, you can go to our website at coreessentials.org or find us on social media at CE Values. And what about you? Yeah. So my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com. And I have two other podcasts, one called Kissy Stays, Need Us to Make Words Matter for Good, where I focus on everything kind of kid mental health. And then I have a second podcast um, that is called Things You Learn in Therapy, where I interview therapists and psychologists from all over the world with their favorite tip to share with clients. So if folks want to hop over and subscribe to those, that would be amazing. That's awesome. We hope everybody has a really great month this month and we'll see you in the new year. We'll see you in the new year. Bye.